What's the sitch with karma? This app is just me telling you everything I know, at least my understanding of karma, because I feel like karma is everywhere because of Taylor Swift and just like people saying things about karma. And sometimes I feel like it's super misinterpreted. And I find the concept of karma really fascinating and I always have. And it kind of ties into um, like what people say is the witch wound where maybe in life, even past lives, if you're into that, if you were persecuted for being involved with like witchy, spiritual, um, occult, or what they would call occult things, then in your current life or in your current circumstances, you feel like this fear of sharing that side of you that might be more out there, like, or not as um, conceptually logical or scientific based, but rather to do with spirituality, intuition, and all of those kind of things. So I definitely had that kind of thing going on. And I'm going to share a bit more about that. But for my mantra of the moment, my mantra of the moment this week is what's meant for me won't miss me, i.e. not dwelling on the things that I ha that haven't come to a fruition or things that I felt I missed out on, not having FOMO because if it was meant to happen for me, it would have and sort of just focusing on that. So what's meant for me won't miss me. Okay, so back to my witch wound. <laughs> I feel like I don't call it a witch wound because I don't feel like I was witchy. I feel like it's more of a like woo-woo wound, if anyone knows what I mean by that. <laughs> and by that I mean all my life I've always felt connected to the divine fascinated and interested in spirituality, all types of different religions, even from the time I was young. While I was raised as a Hindu, my mom is Tamilian and my grandparents are also Tamilian and Telugu, so I have a lot of South Indian Hindu influence. My dad was actually raised Christian, um, so I also learned all about Christianity when I was growing up, um, and I feel like I just always wanted to know all about how people in the world before us kind of made it through life and what they believed in in all different parts of the world and so I always kind of had that but growing up I don't think that was really normal <laughs> when where I was living or in my community it was sort of like yeah spirituality isn't wasn't a big thing and I feel like in recent years because of COVID, the pandemic, climate change, all sorts of um, global suffering, there's almost been like an upsurge of people looking outside of material things for something bigger to believe in or connect with for answers, I guess. Um, and that's kind of cool and interesting to me because I guess I would have always wished I could have had those kind of people around me or conversations going on. And it's kind of cool to see that there's more conversations about it and yeah so my woo woo wound <laughs> my woo wound basically I think just from a super young age I loved things like astrology um anything sort of like occulty woo woo all signs and symbols 
Of course, because of my Hindu background, I was super drawn to all the gods and goddesses like Ganesha, the god and who protects you from obstacles or removes obstacles from your way. Um, and then there's all these incredible goddesses in Hinduism like the goddess Durga. She's like really strong and um, fierce. And then there's the goddess Lakshmi and she's the goddess of wealth, not just monetary wealth, but all sorts of wealth like health, um, love in your relationships with your family in your home so yeah they just have these beautiful stories and meanings um, that I always loved but I felt like if I was to ever speak about my Hindu practices rituals beliefs it just would be sort of scoffed at or maybe even just made myself feel I was made to feel silly for having these beliefs or doing these practices I guess because people don't understand, they don't want to understand and just think that it's silly. <laughs> so I kind of, from that happening at a young age, always kept anything like that to do with religion, spirituality and beliefs so personal to myself and almost had somewhat of an invisible rule that I wouldn't talk to anyone about it or tell anyone about it because I was fearful that people would think I was silly or make fun of those beliefs, which did happen to me throughout school. Um, and so, yeah, I just, because it was something that was so deep and important to me, and it was like, I didn't want to have to explain my beliefs to anyone or have to um, try to be like, swaying them to come onto my side. I just wanted to have my spiritual practices and my beliefs and it was so personal to me that I didn't really like want to ever talk about it to anyone because I just felt like, oh, they're not going to understand. There's no point. Like, And that, there's that old um, adage that goes, never speak about religion, politics or sex. And for some reason I took that real deep. I guess it goes with that always being good, being a good girl, being amiable, not talking about those things and not creating conflict um, in whatever conversation, even though those things are like so real and core to me and I do feel really strongly about them, I just didn't allow myself to like air that to anyone. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the, my woo wound. Even, so this is kind of funny, like, Astrology is a real big one for me. So in the astrology world, there's Western astrology and Vedic astrology or Jyotish, which originated in India. And they're both really similar. They have the same 12 signs, like the ones, you know, Aries, um, Scorpio, Gemini, Taurus, etc. But they're also vastly different. Um, and growing up, I only ever knew of the Western astrology. Um, my mom like would tell me a little bit here and there, like in in the Hindu practice, when you're born, the pundit, which is like a priest, I guess, will look at your astrology chart, and it basically looks at like a snapshot snapshot of the sky when you're born and where all of these stars are placed, where the planets are placed, and each planet and star and like 
way that they're all aligned together has different meanings. And it all goes based on your birth time, birth place and stuff like that. So I think that happened when I was young, when I was born in South Africa, my parents did that, but like they didn't really look into it that much. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing I like knew of growing up. But because I grew, in, grew up in Oz, I learned about like Western astrology through really simple means like magazines and the newspaper and stuff. And I loved it. I even had a, before apps were a thing, I feel like it was a widget. It was like an astrology widget on my phone in grade like nine or something. And it would say every day your astrology and I would read it and I remember feeling like I didn't want anyone at school to see that I was looking at this because they would think I was like crazy and I was like I don't really listen to it like I don't take it as gospel I just read it meanwhile I was so fascinated by how the moon influences our mind and our cycles as women the sun giving us energy and how like those placements are affected all of these things I just thought it was so cool but never really delved into it because I was just fearful that people would think I was silly and I was sort of being urged and pushed in my life to go more towards anything scientific like be a doctor be a pharmacist be a surgeon whatever and it almost was like there's this polarity that if you're a doctor or you're um, really heavily science-based it's like you can't be both it's kind of like that thing where it's like if you're really funny you can't be pretty or this I don't know I, I felt this kind of uh, not juxtaposition, conflict that because I am like a science gal who is studying and I've got evidence-based research and all the importance of that, it's almost like the two, science and spirituality, couldn't be together within me, like externally. I don't know. Like I felt like I would be perceived as being silly and I had to choose one and I just, I never said no and never um, discarded my spirituality, but I just kept it super internal and just like didn't share about it. And now it's like, that's so wild. Like those are the things I love to do and that's like part of my life. And it almost is like leading a double life if I'm just showing the world this like pharmacist, science, work, <laughs> obsessed version of me and not the true... Um, underlying things that I've been doing for my whole life, I guess. So yeah, I guess it's been kind of cool to heal that woo wound and just be myself and talk about these things and not feel weird. I guess just realize that I don't really have to explain myself to anyone who doesn't understand. And if they want to understand and they want to ask questions, that's cool. But if not, it's just, it's just what I believe and what I do and that's fine, I guess. <laughs> All right, so back to karma. And so being a Hindu, it really just depends how you grew up, your parents, what their parents believed and did and where they lived. Um, but I guess my experience has been a bit different to that because I don't really follow a traditional religious path <laughs> I kind of figure it out my own way and love to adopt things from lots of different cultures um, and religions and I just feel like honestly all of these different systems Buddhism Hinduism Islam Christianity 
there's just so much that is the same between them all. They've just all cre- come up from different parts of the air, of the world. Um, and I kind of love finding the synchronicities and the ties in between. So it was really cool going to Thailand and learning heaps about Buddhism. 90% of Thailand is, kind of, 90% of the people in Thailand are Buddhist. So you see heaps of Buddhist influence, lots of um, Buddhas, of course, everywhere, temples and divine offerings of like flowers and sweets and all these things to, there's a lot of ancestor worship. So I loved learning about all of that. And karma is definitely a major, major um, concept in Buddhism. And Buddhism comes from Hinduism, so it all kind of like links in. Um, But in order to explain what karma is, you kind of need to understand the concept of the soul. Most people know what a soul is. Like people will say like, it hurts my soul or soulmate. But the idea of a soul in Hinduism, our physical body is illuminated and animated by a soul, which is subtle. And the body is the gross physical representation of the soul in this life. So essentially, in Hinduism and Buddhism, it's believed that we have a soul and the physical body that the soul um, is within is perishable. Like it will die, it will go away, you can't take your body with you, but your soul is everlasting and doesn't die and doesn't perish. And essentially that soul undergoes reincarnation many, many times and will live many, many lives in different physical bodies, but the soul remains unchanged and sort of the same thing that goes throughout that process, which is life. (laughs) So without the body, the soul is powerless. And similarly, without the soul the body is powerless. So obviously you need a soul in your body to live your life. Like the idea is that when you die, your soul leaves the body and depending on the condition of your soul at the time of your death sort of indicates or dictates where your soul will go. Will it be reincarnated into another physical body um, for another life? Or will it spend some time in another place outside of Earth and then come back down to Earth? Or will the soul achieve liberation from this cycle of birth and death and basically be freed from having to come back to Earth and live this endless cycle? And the endless cycle is known as samsara, which is kind of the concept of life as a, uh, in Buddhism and Hinduism, in which a soul is subject to this endless cycle of birth and death until it breaks free from that cycle and becomes liberated and achieves moksha, which is what essentially most Hindus and Buddha, Buddhists are striving for in life. Um, this Another term for it, like nirvana, entering nirvana is like the state of ultimate bliss, you're essentially, your soul isn't subject to all these human sufferings and things that come with being a human that has a life on earth and you're sort of liberated from that. So that's like a really, really brief summary of the soul and Hinduism and some concepts of like samsara and reincarnation. Um, and essentially it's like your soul decides to come into this body, into this life, 
in order to resolve past karmas or sanskars, which are like your tendencies of being, in order to achieve that state of liberation and sort of like get out of this cycle. <laughs> That's my understanding, at least. So where does karma come into it, right? So definition, let me give you like a few definitions of karma. So karma actually in Sanskrit comes means action or it comes from a word that means action. So it's about our intentions, thoughts and actions and how those things create consequences on our present and future existence. So what do I mean by that? Another definition is the sum of person's action in this and previous states of existence viewed as deciding fate in future existences. So the best way to describe it is that karma isn't really a thing that is like a punishment that's yielded by God or a higher power. I feel like people sort of think like karma's going to get you, like karma is... A punishment or it will like ask for retribution not really it's like karma exists as a moral law of the universe and that comes from the vedas which the vedas means knowledge and all the practices of hinduism the rituals and um how to get married and what they do when you're born and the way of life as per hinduism which is um, like ayurveda the science of living how to eat, how to do yoga, all of those things come from the Vedas, which are the ancient um, scriptures and knowledge that basically was given to us on earth thousands of years ago to help us make it through this thing called life. And that's where all this divine knowledge comes from. So in as per the Vedas, the karma is a moral law of the universe, which kind of dictates balances cause and effect so like we have our law of gravity and we know that just exists that's why we have our feet planted on the ground there is also a law of karma which kind of divinely balances our actions and consequences so what i was saying was it's not a tool used by god to dish out punishment and retribution for bad deeds and it's not controlled by anything bigger it's not like external to us but rather it just is and karma exists within your soul and sort of within everything so that's kind of a concept also unique to hinduism in that it's believed that god dwells within the soul and we all have a soul within us so god is within all of us the divine is within all of us and we're sort of connected in that way like in Hinduism, when you put your hand to your heart and say namaste, you might do that in yoga. Um, it's sort of putting your palms together at your heart center to recognize or acknowledge the soul that exists in someone else also exists within you. So that's how that works. <laughs> so it's considered a law of the moral universe and the only power to change karma is within you or the soul itself. So like all these like pop culture misinterpretations of like karma's a bitch and karma will get you. Not re it's not really. It's like you have you do have the power to change it, and 
the other myth like that karma is sort of like your destiny or your fate and it's definite and it cannot be changed is completely untrue because the whole idea of having your soul here on earth is to sort of create positive karmas and clear those negative karmas so the idea that you can't change it is untrue because that's like kind of the whole point that you're here is to do better than bef than you have done with the hope that um by making more aligned in choices in harmony with yourself and with others, the consequences for you and others will be better, right? Because you're doing better. So that's kind of like my understanding of karma. It's not really something external that happens to you to make things right. It's sort of like the effects that happen from you doing good and working to become back come back to your true self and your soul like the more you do those things the more good that comes to you that's what i think it's very like the good energy that you put out into the world comes back to you and like you don't even really have to have a woo-woo spiritual mind to think to understand that it's as simple as like if you're nice you walk around you smile at every like you smile at every person you see you chat to everyone you see yes there's going to be people that are not so nice in their own world and might be a bit whatever to you but in general you're probably going to get positive feedback because you're smiling you're open you're putting yourself out there you're not um, like staying inside and being grumpy and glaring at people like of course the having that kind of behavior would elicit the same behavior back so it's like outside of spiritual woo-woo karma whatever it really is just like positive cause and positive effect um, so yeah, <laughs> the other thing I wrote was karma is at the center of ourselves. It governs our inner harmony and balance of the mind and soul. So what that means is it's like karma is the thing that governs everything you do. And if you have this whole hectic lineup of stuff that you've done in this life and past lives, and it may not even be you, it could be in your family or generation the generations before you um if you have a whole lot of stuff where you just were acting out of ego desire greed and did some terrible things that weren't aligned with your true nature and your true soul your soul and inner world is going to be dis there's going to be disharmony that's kind of what that means someone who's continuously living in a world that living in their world as an individual and not thinking of others the kind of actions they take will have the kind of effect of like suffering internal suffering in terms of like not being able to trust others or not being able to trust yourself because of the kind of actions you've taken and the things that have happened to you and then, so the idea of like karma coming to get you, it's not like something will happen to like, karma will, will, will be like, okay, well, you're going to lose your job because you did this. It's more like because of those previous actions and tendencies that you have created, your external circumstances kind of change to that situation, those behaviors and those actions that you've been doing. So how do you change that? So the, the way to change that is literally to flip the, flip the script, turn the cycle the other way. Like if you feel like you're living in a karmic way, karmic way, where 
the world is just against you and things just keep happening to you, 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 and it's all bad. It's like looking at your role in that and how your actions, behaviors may be bringing on that kind of energy. Like what kind of energy are you putting out that these things are happening and that how can you get back into an, an alignment where you do feel like your um, actions and behaviors are having a positive effect and not just like karma coming back down on you. Uh, but the other thing I was thinking of was in my family there's this like motto called, well not motto, but it's a pretty common one, like be good and do good. And I feel like that's kind of tied to karma in that if you do good things, good things will come back to you. But that's also kind of a misinterpretation because it's not just about like tit for tat, like I did this so I'll get something good out of it. Definitely not. It's so much more deeper in terms of your motivations and what drives you and your everyday actions being in alignment with what's the best for yourself and for those around you. And so it's not as simple as like, but I've done all this good in my life, like where where is the check balance for all the good I've done? Because there may be things prior to that deeper that you sort of need to unpack and go into, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, the be good, do good. I was just like, sometimes I just really took umbrage with that because yes, I do believe in doing good. I, it's almost like one of the things I believe most in this world. Like I feel like I'm here to do some good because what, what else, not, why else be here? <laughs> but in terms of being good, I don't really agree because sometimes it takes being quote unquote bad to do the good and that would be what would be karmically positive in that situation however whatever the circumstances might make it seem like it's not being good like for example if you're in an institution that is overworking their staff, underpaying them, and there's like a toxic work environment, people are unwell, and for you to do good would be to speak up and use, voice your feelings, express what you can to make it better, at least let them know. But in an institution which has been living, working karmically or in a karmic way, out of greed, out of um, not caring for their employees, whatever it might be, you using your voice would to them be perceived as being noisy or a troublemaker or um, being difficult or whatever it might be. So in that case, you using your voice is, is the right thing and it's doing good, but it may not necessarily perceived in this world as being good. <laughs> so be good and do good isn't my mantra. I think you should do good, voice your truth, be kind. Actually, that's one I used to say actually a little bit was like, do good, be kind, and don't take any shit from anyone. I feel like that's probably on a bumper sticker somewhere that I saw, but I love that. I think that's more in line with karma. Like, make sure you're, what you're doing is aligned in good intentions. But at the same time, don't let anyone like walk all over you because you, you won't be able to do good if you're um, kind of just letting anyone walk all over you in a karmic way you know what I mean so when I say karmic way it's like living in a way that isn't in alignment with your highest good 
and is greedy or that you're like super attached to things and you can't, you sort of dwell in the past and you're not really growing and moving forward. You're just living in this karmic cycle. And the flip side of that and what like the thing to aim for is to live in dharma or in a dharmic way, which is the way that is most aligned with your soul, where you feel good, where you're doing good and you're like growing and evolving. So I feel like most of our world lives in a karmic way, but we're like going into this new era, new age of people slowing down and realizing things, <laughs> the year of realizing things. Or just like this spirituality upsurge. And I feel like it's so cool. So yeah, the karma. I, another premise I wanted to like sort of encapsulate is that when we act from our heart with pure and good intentions, without fear or attachment to the outcome or selfish gain, we become closer to our true nature and more or less bound by attachment and ego so that's like the concept of karma karma exists as a the karma exists as a law of the moral universe to balance out cause and effect and essentially like drive us to act from the heart with pure and good intentions without any um fear or attachment to outcomes and all the selfish gain that comes with being really greedy and like angry and desiring more and more and more karma exists to sort of balance that out so that we can become closer to our true nature which is the soul. <laughs> that's what i think <sighs> so another thing about karma it's about coming to terms with your tendencies which is what i said before and like with the soul in hinduism buddhism it's believed your soul has an imprint of your past lives or um, the past things that you've been through. So even though when you're born, you'll be super conditioned by your parents, by society, teachers, everyone around you to be a certain way, your soul has a, a way of being or a nature that is innate to you. And it only usually comes out, you only really realize it later in life. Um, it may only come out at certain times due to the way we've been conditioned otherwise. So it's about karma is like there to help us to come to terms with our tendencies and the way we are, the way we live and the actions we take and creating as much harmony as you can within yourself and your tendencies so that you don't perpetuate disharmony for others. So it could be like you had been in a cycle forever being um, really self-critical and critical of others and that's been something that's been a tendency of yours forever. And things might happen karmically to show you that you are super critical and it's stopping you from progressing or um, maybe you're not able to progress in relationships because you're super critical of yourself and the other person. And so that kind of that kind of cycle would continue and continue and just keep going in different ways unless you sort of look at your tendencies and come to terms with them and think of a better way to move forward that would be more harmonious for yourself and for others. So yeah, I kind of like it. It's kind of cool. It's very self-inquiry vibes which i also think is having a boom um like all sorts of things that 
people go for for self-inquiry like obviously therapy absolutely um those i don't even know because i didn't really i don't really look into it that much but the behavioral ones where it's like i'm an enfp or this like categorizing different personalities and stuff like that is all kind of self-inquiry looking at your tendencies and the way you behave and deciding to do better or making choices to change and not be stuck in a cycle because you feel like you just are and you can't change so yeah on the self-inquiry path and to do with karma astrology is so tied into that um whole thing <laughs> and it's really interesting too because the vedas the tradition the um, ancient hindu scriptures um definitely have stuff about astrology i believe but i just growing up i didn't know i didn't learn a lot about it and i think that's because between indian culture religion tradition there is sort of this like thought of things like astrology tantra and numerology palmistry as being like a cult almost like dark or not i don't know just had this stigma of it not being like the traditional um vedic past or things that you follow and being a bit out there a bit woo woo and i guess because of that i didn't know much of it growing up until i was a, a bit older and if you're on the path of self-inquiry astrology and particularly jyotish which is the vedic indian astrology is just so accurate and so wild and it makes so much sense particularly if you like things that are scientific and mathematic um jyotish is the science of light in sanskrit and it's it really is a science like it's so mathematical um it's all about the placement of the planets and the signs the houses um and they even take into account nakshatras which are 27 other constellations that western astrology doesn't um, necessarily look at or doesn't take into account there's heaps of differences um that i'm not getting to there's something like something about geotish or um Vedic astrology takes into account the processional tilt of the world's axis. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's about how as time goes on, the planets all shift and move, like they're, they're constantly moving at different speeds and that influences life on Earth essentially due to their energy makeup. And I can't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> essentially just... It's super intricate how it all works. And it's sort of not as... Like, people who are like, what is astrology? It doesn't sound like it makes sense. There's only 12 houses. So does that mean there's only 12 personalities? No, absolutely not. It's so much deeper than that. And it looks at, like, all the different planets, even the way that they are arranged at your birth. Like, um, if you look at celebrity charts and things, in some ways, they form these... Um, like, certain planets and stars form these alignments called yogas or unions and it kind of dictates whether someone's going to be famous or whether someone could be the president um, like if they're going to be a good speaker if they're going to be an extrovert and loud and basically everything to do about the human psyche and like obviously it's not no one's saying it's 100 percent accurate if your chart's like this you're definitely going to be like this it's just kind of cool to look at especially if you are in later in life and you haven't heard about it before and see how certain patterns or certain things match up i think it's pretty cool <laughs> 
So, yeah, as I was saying, when I was young, I did know about Western astrology. But I also never really um, vibed with my sign. I had this thing. I was, like, defensive. I was like, no, I'm, I don't want to say my sign because it's, like, the worst one. Everyone thinks I'm crazy if I say it because I was, I'm a Scorpio sun in Western astrology. And I think, like, the belief about Scorpios was, like, they're jealous possessive, angry, dark, like emo. That was kind of the vibe that I thought of Scorpius and people thought. And I was just like, I'm just not that. Like I honestly am, I mean, I do have a dark, I did have a dark in a world on lots of things I was struggling with, but I felt more like I love to chat and I love to connect with people and I love all things fun and beauty and actually like enjoying myself and entertainment like tv movies and it just didn't I, I didn't feel like that was what that was me like I was like no I'm not a scorp like I I think some of the things I the good things I would take like I feel like scorpios are intelligent or this that I'm like oh yeah I am but then many years later I came across well I kind of knew about Jyotish but I just definitely was drawn to it and felt called to have a reading of my birth chart because um, I think I had known a bit about my Western birth chart and I was like, I, it's cool to know about it, but I just had this thing, like I wanted to know the Indian one, of course, because of my family, my generations before me. And it's kind of cool to think like my grandma and great grandma and everyone would have been looking at their chart in the same way that I'm looking at mine. Um, yeah, kind of cool. <laughs> so when I did that, I found out my... Vedic signs which it all made sense and I was like I love this <laughs> like it just kind of I definitely res it resonated with me and because it resonated with me I obviously wanted to know more so in Vedic astrology my sun sign is Libra my moon sign is Leo and my ascendant is Taurus and just like all of that makes so much sense so in Jyotish your ascendant is where, like the star that was on the eastern horizon when you were born. And it essentially is kind of like, because the sun is the center of our, in, in Jyotish, is the center of our universe. It gives light. It's like everything. It's like the main player, the sun. Um, so when Taurus, for me, Taurus or that constellation, that star was at the eastern horizon, at the time I was born. So it was like, it's like amplified by the sun. It's sort of like, that's who you are. Like that that star is gonna really impact who you are. So my, be, me being a Taurus ascendant just made so much sense because Tauruses love to relax. They love like luxury and to be all the comforts of life, like good food, good music, good friends, um, all the pleasurable stuff of life. And that's just like, so me, I'm all about enjoying myself, feeling comfortable, being around people and um, connecting with people. So like that all made sense for Ta the Taurus Ascendant and there was more to it, I was like, I love that. Um, and then the Leo moon. So the moon in Vedic astrology governs your mind and how you um, think about things, how you process things, um, and even a bit of your heart too, just like the core of who, it's almost like the core of who you are, the moon. And that kind of made sense too <laughs> because Leo, is very is a fire sign so they're really like passionate fiery um like to sort of be out there and having fun 
And while that wasn't like really reflected in my early life, like I think I was kind of more shy and I wouldn't voice my opinions or want to seem to, I wouldn't want to seem too much like a leader. Like I wouldn't want to seem like I was the center of attention or that I wanted like things happening around me and just like I think I shied away from that but it's interesting because it is really core to who I am like I do have a lot of fire and I'm a lot of I'm passionate about a lot of different things and I just love fun and entertainment and that's like such a Leo thing to love like the fun things in life (laughs) Um, and then sun sign is Libra so very different to um my sun sign in Western, which was Scorpio. And the Libra thing makes so much sense too because one of the things that's core to Libra, they're the scales, is balance, fairness, equality. And that is like such a strong freaking value of mine. I really truly believe in in quality, like real, real fairness and quality in every situation. And it's like something I like that really irks me when someone's not fair or not. <laughs> balanced or I don't know so yeah the the Libra thing seemed to make sense too for me Um, it's an air sign so it's a some people say that because it's an air sign like the lower sides of it are like being ditzy or airheady which I feel like I can be perceived as sometimes but it also can mean you're um, yeah really fair and diligent and you love harmony so you're really good with friends and relationships and wanting everyone to be happy and I feel like that really resonated with me so yeah I, I'm, I'm all about the Vedic astrology it just tells you so much <laughs> like honestly if you're interested at all you should definitely get a Vedic astrology reading or at least just like look into your um sign because all you need is the day you were born where you were born the time and like you do the time to the minutes and it, it basically just tells you a super accurate snapshot of where all the planets and stars were at that time that you were born. And the way that it's different to Western is because the Western astrologers do that as well. Um, It's just that in Jyotish, they take these astronomical, that sounds wrong, like astronomical as though it's big, but no, like the astronomy and placement of these planets and how they have shifted year by year. Um, So that's why the position is a bit different. It's like I was born in November, so in Western astrology you would say I'm a Scorpio, but the calculations as to the um, actual placement of the all of those stars and stuff are different in Indian astrology, but they kind of make sense for me, so that's why I follow them. Um, but yeah, if you're on the path of self, astrology and karma is fascinating. Um, trying to learn more about what you like, what your proclivities are. Maybe, like, if you're like me and just sort of never gave yourself a chance to really figure out what you want to do in terms of work or, like, maybe you went down a path and that wasn't for you and you want to figure out a different path, yeah, it's kind of cool because it, it shows you, like, your strengths that are innate to you. And I, I like, it, obviously you should appreciate and know your strengths without something like astrology or something to tell you. But if like me you almost have trouble really like backing those things and saying like yeah that is me like I am a good speaker or or I do really like to connect with people and help people whatever it's kind of cool to have this thing outside of you say look because you have this star this star was here when you were born it means you will be quite good at I don't know playing volleyball (laughs) no not really like that but 
for example, my chart, I have Mars conjunct with Rahu, and Mars is the planet of action, like fire, being direct, aggression, and having a strong Mars actually means you'll be quite a good athlete because it's all about like drive and passion and like dedication and just like force, like masculine energy, all of that. So like start like so all these athletes that you look at will have like a super strong Mars or things like that. So that's probably and it made sense in my life. Like I'm not an athlete. I never took an athlete's path, but I love to work out. Like I love to move my body. I love to do any kind of honestly like any kind of sport really. Um and just be like doing the thing. Like I like to take action, do the thing. And maybe not even physicality, like having the strong Mars means I'm so about action over words. Like I'm not about someone just saying things and then not following through because my Mars is so strong. I'm like, no, just do it. Like if you're not going to do it, don't say it kind of thing. So there's just like some of the tiny things in there that are kind of cool. Um, and another point about astrology, which is cool with karma, is that this is a bit different to Western astrology. I think there is a there are ways to figure out, well, not figure out, but look at your karma and destiny in Western astrology. But in the Vedic system, there are these two um, points called Rahu and Ketu. And they are basically points on the moon's orbit, like the either side. And they are symbolic or representative of the head and tail of an asura. And asuras are sort of like the demon or um, lower, en- lower energy than the gods and goddesses in the Vedic times. So I'm skipping ahead a lot, a lot of things. Yeah, as I said, Hinduism is so complex. But the Vedas basically consist of many, many stories um, and like rituals, things to do, all of that. And a lot of the stories are based in the times of like the Mahabharata and which was thousands and thousands of years ago. So it's all like this beautiful symbolism and representation, much like in the Western world, how there are um, symbols and representations in astrology, like Hermes, the messenger God, and um, like you'll know like the archangels, Gabriel and Michael. In the Indian side, the Asuras are like sort of representative of the lower things in life, like ego and greed and desire and selfishness. And so Rahu and Ketu, these points represent this um, Asura, which was sliced in half so that Rahu, in the story, Rahu represents the head of the Asura and Ketu represents the tail. And it's said that in your astrology chart, they are kind of points that somewhat determine your destiny or karma in this life that you have incarnated into and I just find that super cool and I love it and like I'm just going to share a little bit about my chart to make so that it makes sense (laughs) Um, so it's like it said that Ketu gives dissatisfaction in the house that it resides because in the past that area was of huge interest um, and in this life, nothing compares. So what that means is if you have key to that point in one of your, in, in a particular house on your chart, that house 
you're almost like prone to experience dissatisfaction. And that doesn't mean that you will be dissatisfied forever. It's just sort of giving you an idea that things may happen in life that in that, in that house you'll feel some dissatisfaction. And it's basically on you to flip that script and turn the cycle of the karmic wheel to overcome that dissatisfaction, which is super cool because in my chart, Ketu is in my first house and the first house represents the self. So literally like who you are, how you portray yourself to the world. Um, it also represents different parts of the body. Like it's like your face, your head, all of that, the first. And just the body, I think. Um, so by Ketu being in my first house of self, what that literally means is I will or have experienced dissatisfaction with who I am, my self-worth, my beliefs, um, like backing myself and just literally understanding myself. And that could not ring more true <laughs> that. And I only found this out recently. So it wasn't like I knew this at an early age and it influenced my life. It just so happens that, yeah, I just never, I didn't really have a strong sense of self-worth. I had quite the opposite of feeling not good enough, feeling like no matter anything I do isn't enough. So it's like that feeling of dissatisfaction and I guess not being in touch with my true self and what I wanted and not being in alignment with what I was doing was just creating more and more dissatisfaction and more and more bad karma essentially because I was doing things that weren't aligned with my true self and rather the expectations or things of others. So I very much experienced that dissatisfaction of Ketu in the first house. And I feel like the point of um, having that dissatisfaction or going through everything I have of not being in touch with myself and not like believing myself, having self-worth, all of that, um, I guess happened to push me out of it and to do what I'm doing now, which is figure out like how, doing the things to get closer to your truest nature and um, not be dis dissatisfied with myself. Because as I said, like the whole thing with karma is the power is within you and it's within you to, ch to change your actions and behaviors to create more positive consequences in the future. So for me, it was like, I have this dissatisfaction with myself, like how am I going to not be dissatisfied for the rest of my life and not perpetuate that feeling of being unfulfilled or not myself, like not feeling like myself, which I guess would be something that has occurred in my lineage or generations for many, many um, years and maybe in my past lives for many years. And it's like this is coming to terms with it or realizing it in this life is a chance to change it all and flip the script so that's what I'm trying to do oh, but it's pretty cool all right what else do I have to tell you oh Ketu also seeks perfection in the house where it sits isn't that so wild in the matters of the house and also in the matters of the house alternate to this situation Oh my God, this is a really fun fact. It's re it makes more sense when you see celeb charts and other people because obviously celebrities have this public life. And so not that you know everything about their life, but you can see that they've been famous or they um, do a lot of charity work and like those things can be reflected in their chart and even like relationships. Um, the 
Seventh house is to do with relationships, I believe. Actually, maybe it's the eighth. I don't want to be telling you the wrong stuff. Look it up from someone who knows. But I know that Bob Marley had key to in his house of relationships. And what they say is if you have key to, it gives dissatisfaction in that house. So how that translated in his life was key to as in his house of relationships. And he had multiple... Why I don't know if they were wives, multiple wives with heaps of different children from different wives, which kind of indicates like some sort of dissatisfaction, right? He was like one person, then moved on to another and had lots of children. Um, and like what that means, it's, it's such a cool thing to think about in terms of destiny and karma and stuff, because they say if Ketu is in that house and you have dissatisfaction in that area, it could be because in a past life, that was a really big area of, um, focus for you so in in this life maybe it's not as much or you just you had a lot of focus on it another time and key to being there this time it's almost giving you a bit of dissatisfaction I don't know another way to say it but so for Bob Marley while he had lots of different relationships maybe he was dissatisfied it could be because in a past life he had a really strong relationship where he was super satisfied and super happy and nothing could quite compare to it in this life and it may have been that his tendencies to do with relationship or his imprints or what he would was I guess needed to work on or try and create positive karma around them but I'm not trying to judge like that's cool that was his life it's just a good example of key to have be showing dissatisfaction in the house of relationships and in my situation key to showing dissatisfaction and perfectionism in the house of the in the first house of self is just so true because i was just ultra perfectionist crazy ocd trying to be the perfect person to everyone and just like this self that was outside of me like it wasn't really me and I was dissatisfied by it so thanks key to for being my first house for that but i feel like i have really taken so many steps and done all these things to try and um well just constantly trying to return to my true nature my true self but I feel like will be just a better person than trying to be somebody else you know <laughs> but it's a forever long journey I have I by no means I'm like I am one with me and I know everything no way <sighs> oh but that's me on karma Karma, confessions, woo wound, Hinduism. God, where didn't I go on this one? It really is whatever comes up. I was thinking it's kind of like satsang. So satsang is where you sit and just speak your truth or speak about spiritual truths, about the meaning of life, all of those things. And I'm, I love it. I love a satsang where you just sit and just share and be open and just say whatever and learn and like, yeah. So this is my karma confession satsang telling you a little bit about my tron. Some people are super like you can't share it because it's so um, intimate in a way. It's a bit it's almost like the inner workings of your life and mind. So it's like I don't think I would want to do that. I wouldn't want to put my full chart out there and get people to see it and like break it down, but it's kind of cool to tell you how certain things make sense for me in my chart. And just, yeah, if it's something you're interested in, you've got to check it out because 
You'll, you'll learn some things about yourself that are super cool. <laughs> and maybe not even like learn things about yourself. You'll just realize realize things about yourself and it almost gives you a bit more confidence and being like, yeah, I am good at that or I do like to do X, Y, Z. <laughs> I didn't even delve into how it's to do with it. How it they use it in relationships and um, way back in the day, Actually, I shouldn't even say way back in the day, probably do it now too, where they look at your birth chart and your prospective husband or wife birth chart and how they match and they literally create like a compatibility number. I'm not saying I condone this. I've never looked at Angus and my birth chart together because I operate from my heart and I will choose who to marry based on that, not based on a chart. <laughs> but that's a whole other thing that... You can look into. I'm just more interested in the the basic um, chart and how it and how the planet, stars, moon, sun influence our mind and life because it's all interconnected. And it's super cool, and that's just another episode that I'll have to leave it for because I could just start song and talk to you forever. Probably. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have learned something from this podcast. Maybe something you hadn't heard before. Some wor- some Sanskrit words. Maybe you didn't know what Jyotish was, or that Indian astrology even exists. Did, <laughs> or maybe you just have a little bit more of an idea of what karma is now. But either way, thank you for joining me. I'll be back next week. Follow on what's the sister podcast at Instagram, where I post BTS and treats from Poddy. satsang debrief on karma astrology the woo wound just some random spirituality confessions of mine and i'm so grateful that you have listened i hope you learned something or at least um me being open and sharing about my stuff that i don't usually talk about might inspire you to share about something that you have kept to yourself maybe Either way, I will see you next week. Thank you so much. And follow at SWTS Podcast on Instagram for more BTS deets and treats from me. That's all. Peace out. Catch you soon. Karma is a cat, or is it? <laughs> I mean, I guess kind of is a cat. Karma's like everything. That's kind of what she's going for. It's like karma is literally everything, which is true. She Taylor knows. <laughs>